Uh, well, hello, everybody. If we haven't met, my name is James. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at the Chapel Sydney. I'm also one of the nine who went over to Cambodia the last couple of days. Um, now, just in these next few moments, I'm going to give you a 30,000-foot view of what our 10 days in Cambodia look like. And if you want to shoot off with the first photo, Ren, thank you, sir. We flew out on a Saturday morning. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, we were all super excited about what God had in store for us. Uh, we really had no idea how God would move in this time, but we were excited. As soon as we arrived in Siem Reap, it was hot, it was humid, it was muggy, but we knew that God had something special for us. Uh, we were greeted by missionaries Sohi, June, and Eja from Life Care Ministries. Um, we all jumped in the back of a ute, and it was at that moment that we realized that uh, we were in Cambodia for real. Now, most of our days started at 6 a.m. for morning devotions, uh, which became such a sweet moment for us all. Uh, as we delved into the book of Colossians, we were so enamored by God's presence um, that we could have just spent hours just sitting there in reflection, sharing, and prayer. And although many of us, we didn't know what 6 a.m. looked like, uh, we wouldn't have changed it for anything. On our first Sunday, we visited the CM Reap Methodist Church. Uh, we worshipped together there with the locals. Uh, despite the language and cultural boundaries, we could sense that God was present. And it was such an encouragement to each of us to see that in the middle of CM Reap, a small group of Christians uh, could love God so much. From Monday to Thursday, we were at Bridge of Hope School, or BOH. Although we didn't get to have proper engagement with the kids till Thursday, uh, we all felt very loved and well-received from the kids at the school. Uh, we thought we were all very equally loved at the school, but it turns out that we had a celebrity, a superstar among us. Now, some of you, some of you may know him as Tan, but the people of Cambodia call him Tony, okay? Tony, do you, do you want to stand up for a second? Thank you, sir. Tan's greatest strength, apart from his dance skills, was his ability to speak Vietnamese. Uh, because you may not know, but the minority group in Cambodia are the Vietnamese people. And whenever there's conflict between two nations, two people groups, it's always the kids and the vulnerable and the weak who lose out. So these Vietnamese children, they grew up ashamed of their culture. And Tan's ability to connect with these Vietnamese uh, kids was so encouraging to see. Uh, to see these kids become proud of their heritage because someone is able to connect with them. And that's, that was so powerful. During our Monday to Wednesday at the, at the school BOH, uh, we had the opportunity to help the school by painting the walls in the kitchen the principal's office, the front uh, walls of the school building. Uh, but unlike other previous trips in January, October was, was so much hotter, so much humid, uh, so much more humid. <laughs> My English, good. <laughs> um, but not only that, October is the rainy season, so it was raining quite a bit. So our days of painting were interrupted by, by rain. 
And I don't know if you guys have ever tried to paint in the rain, but it just doesn't work. Okay, it just doesn't work at all. So the Monday and Tuesday, we painted. And then it, when it rained, we helped with whatever else we could help with. Uh, on the Wednesday, in between painting and sanding and lacquering, we got to spend some time worshipping with the missionaries there in the school. We sang, we declared the goodness and grace of God in that tiny, humid room. And, each, uh, and we each felt God like never before. Each time I looked around, someone would be crying. And eventually it turned into the ugly crying that comes when you realize how good God really is. Uh, despite how unprofessional we were at, the paint, at painting the walls, uh, we were actually really encouraged and, and surprised uh, by how happy the staff were with the results. <laughs> you, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, we really do thank God that there were no major incidents, apart from Mel Tan and Min experiencing some delirious after effects of lacquering for hours without, like, the proper masks. Chris Cha slipping on some paint. Doey experiencing some after effects of a questionable uh, avocado smoothie. <laughs> Us nearly missing the flight back home. And Tan nearly falling off the back of our ute multiple times. <laughs> Apart from all that, uh, we were really lucky. Uh, we were all just so grateful and thankful that we could be a small blessing to the staff and missionaries at the school. And we couldn't have been this generous without the support of every single person who unselfishly and abundantly donated finances, prayer, and encouraging messages. So thank you. Uh, because of you, while we were at BOH, uh, we were able to build a new undercover area for the kids. What was originally just going to be a, a new tarp shade uh, it ended up being a new, solid, corrugated roof with sunlights and fans. You know, this will give shade uh, not only from the intense heat of the sun, but also cover from the rain. So we were thrilled as, we, as, as, as a team to be able to sponsor the build. And every single person who donated um, in any way, you should be proud of this as well. Because it was your generosity that allowed this to, to happen. And so thank you for that. Now, did we suddenly have the welding and building skills to make this happen? No. We, someone would have definitely been in hospital. Uh, but the missionaries were able to find skilled workers uh, to help complete the job. Uh, on the Thursday, uh, we ran two sessions of kids' programs, and we were able to host a thank you lunch for the teachers and the staff at the school. And in God's timing, the Thursday was actually Cambodia's teacher's day. Uh, and they told us as well that uh, it was the first time any short-term missions team had done anything like that for the teachers there. So they were happy, and we were happy, and, uh, and uh, we got to bless them really well. Uh, a lot of the teachers at the school actually take massive pay cuts to be at the school, at the BOH school. And it really shows that it's not just work for them but it's actually ministry for them. A Friday was a full day of ministry at the Young Adults Conference uh, hosted by the CM Reap Methodist Church. Uh, this was the longest day for us, from 8.30 a.m. in the morning to 9.30 p.m. Uh, and this was the toughest day for the team. Uh, we were all pretty, pretty exhausted from, the, from all the work that we had done in the first part of the trip. 
Um, AB and I shared a little encouraging word to the young adults. June shared a wonderful testimony. A few of us led worship. We played games. Uh, we shared meals, and we prayed together. Our second last day in Cambodia was this Saturday. And for many of us, it was pretty special. We got to play badminton uh, and hang out with the BOH students. Uh, AB and I, we, we actually got to play against national badminton athletes. Now, these two athletes are the top badminton players in Cambodia. Okay, you got to have that in your mind. Okay? Now, did we win? No. Okay? <laughs> was it a close game? Yes. Did they have more experience than us? Yes. Were we twice their age? Yes. <laughs> but AB and I, we try not to talk about this at all. <laughs> Um, our final Sunday, we returned to the Methodist Church. Uh, we got to worship with the guys one, more, one last time, uh, saying goodbye to the many new friends we had formed over the last couple of days. Uh, on behalf of the team, we can't express how grateful and thankful we are to those who prayed for us, who gave, and who continued to encourage us all throughout this journey. If you take a look at the last photo here, um, your generosity has impacted every single life there. And this is only half of them. And together we've been able to share a glimpse of the kind and patient and loving God that we serve. And so thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We are so grateful uh, that you've chosen to further the kingdom of God with us, to bring light into the darkness. And to, and to declare that there is no one like our God. Our hope and prayer is that God would stir a deeper yearning in your heart, not just for Cambodia, but for the lost to be brought home. Um, in this moment, I just want to welcome up Crimson. Uh, she's going to be share her testimony. Um, so if you want to make your way up. Hi everyone, um, if we've not met, I'm Crimson, um, and today I'm going to be um, sharing what missions has been like for me this year. Um, unlike for some others, I did not receive some crazy revelation that prompted me to go to missions. Um, there was no burning desire in my heart, um, no signs or words from people convincing me to go. Um, by the time the first invitation to missions came earlier in the year, I had been at the chapel for just over a month. Um, it seems slightly unwise to commit to a trip overseas um, with some randoms who could turn out to be a bunch of whack jobs or serial killers. Um, <laughs> yes, those thoughts ran through my head. <laughs> I was also in the middle of uncertainty with my work and my financial situation. Um, and I had been on missions before where the results um, were more harmful than good and I was not in any hurry to repeat that experience. But still, I sat myself down um, to think about mission, and the common denominator pushing me to say no was fear. And I knew that my fear was not enough of a good reason to say no, so I opened up my Bible, and I read what God had to say about missions. Um, and some verses I found um, include Romans 10, 13 to 15. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And Matthew 28, 19 to 20, 
Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end. When I read these verses, I was reminded that missions, whether local or global, was a command given to us, not something I could pick and choose. And so while I did not get a feeling from the Spirit, I got a command from his word to go into all the nations to preach the gospel. Um, and from that simple yes, God blessed me abundantly by showing me his heart. One of the fears I had was that I would see too much brokenness in Cambodia that would lead me to doubt God's love for this nation. I was worried that the brokenness would break me, but not in the way I wanted to be broken. I'm here to testify that while I did see the brokenness and physical poverty of Cambodia, the hope of Christ was powerfully evident. God's love was everywhere. In the chaotically organized traffic, the blooming greenery, the dramatic sunsets. But the place that I found brokenness and hope to most strongly coincide was at the Bridge of Hope School. These students are children marked by joy. Their joy was simple, not complicated. Their faces would light up when you smiled, when you waved, when you offered them a high five. When the language barrier was too great, children were content in holding my hand or sitting beside me in comfortable silence. Every day I spent with these children, my heart grew with more and more love for them. So much so that I could not even compre comprehend how much more God loved these children himself. His focus was not on their brokenness, but how his heart could shine through the broken. There was a moment during worship at the school where we sang with the children watching on. And the words to the song sing, Your mercy flows like a river wide, and healing is found in your hands. Suffering children are safe in your arms. There is none like you. It was this moment here where I was filled with hope that in their brokenness, these children could find redemption in their stories. It's so funny to look back on because I came to Cambodia with the intent of willingly serving these children. I did not expect that through them I would see glimpses into God's heart, his tender kindness, joy, generosity, and love, all made simple and abundant through his everlasting hope. The simple truth was that because God was near, hope was near. The other space I witnessed God's heart was with our team. And serving alongside the team, I was struck by how complicated I had made ministry in the past. These few years, I've experienced burnout serving in ministry, focusing on the numbers, how people didn't care for me well, overcommitting and resenting obedience to God. You could not say I was marked by joy. I was in bondage to my expectations, bitterness, and busyness. And in my busyness, I foolishly believed my overaction could turn into something fruitful. But over in Cambodia, I was humbled by God while doing the most menial of tasks. On our first day at BOH, a group of us stayed inside to clean and paint the kitchen and dining areas. It was dusty and dirty, with dead bugs and geckos in the corners. <laughs> Our bodies were so clammy from the humidity, and I could feel the sweat sticking to my body and dirt under my nails. From a quick glance, we probably looked exhausted and definitely smelt disgusting, um, <laughs> but I experienced God's spirit there, and it was holy ground. In the mundanity of painting and cleaning, God invited me to slow down and notice his heart. It hit me that something as simple as painting alongside my team could even glorify God. But as I noticed God, I saw even deeper God's heart in my team. I witnessed humility, intentional encouragement, and a willingness to serve. I noticed that I felt so much joy and freedom in that moment, and I didn't want it to end. 
because God wasn't asking me to be busy and stand on stage or lead a youth group to get to his joy. He was simply asking me to paint. And in that obedience, God gave me a greater capacity to enjoy community and to experience fullness of joy in him. When I let down my expectations of what I thought serving needed to look like, I saw just how tender and sweet and freeing the life of mission and ministry could be. 1 John 4, 11 to 12. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. I'd like to encourage you that you, know, you don't need to have traveled to Cambodia to experience God's heart. Because his heart is not a place and missions not just in Cambodia, God's heart lives in those who call him Father, and mission is a lifestyle lived by faith. May I encourage you to ask for God's strength to untether you from your rhythms of busyness, that you would notice the simplicity in which the Spirit is moving in the people around you and yourself. I pray that you would live your mission in the freedom of simple obedience and joy, because the joy we have just sitting in his presence is unmatched. Um, so I'm just here to share my testimony of Cambodia. Um, man, it's, it's crazy to think that there was only 10 days in Cambodia because I really felt like God has shown himself to our team and myself in many ways. Um, so I'm just going to structure this, um, this testimony as before, during and after Cambodia. Uh, before leaving for Cambodia, I was going through a testing and stretching season with God. I felt like everything felt like work. So spending time with people felt like work. Serving a church felt like work. Even preparing for Cambodia felt like work. And it was also during this time that my dad had a heart attack, so it really shook me emotionally uh, more than I realized. I was tired, I was easily irritated, and I was sensitive to anything that I could not have control over. And I kept saying, if I had more time, or if I rested and slept a bit more, that would be okay. And when people ask me, oh, how are you doing? I'd be like, oh, I'm fine, just a little bit tired. And it was only until I left to Cambodia and took a step back from my own life that I realized that I was not okay. Uh, for myself, uh, God used Cambodia as a way of showing me that I was not living for him for the past few months. So God showed me through the missionaries and how they loved and served the kids and the staff that I was not spending enough time with God. And I look at the missionaries, despite all their struggles, their loneliness, their tiredness and sacrifices, but they served so willingly and so wholeheartedly. And I looked at the heart that they had for anyone and everyone, even those that we choose to ignore or choose to avoid. And I was so encouraged. But then I looked at my own life in Sydney, and I was wondering why I was so tired all the time, why I was feeling so frustrated all the time. And then God showed me. 
um, because the because the problem was not physical; it was spiritual. And I had a conversation with a missionary one lunch, and he told me this: it's harder when you try to do things on your own than to do it with God. So it's harder when you try to do things on your own than to do it with God. And it really resonated with me because it showed me that when you're really good with God, everything's easy. But when you're trying to resist God, or when you aren't good with God, then everything feels like work. Everything feels so much harder. And for me, I realized that I was running at a rhythm of the world and of work, that I had no time or the heart to hear God. And one thing I remember about the trip uh, was that Cambodia was so physically draining. We got up early, we finished late into the night, we sanded, we painted kitchens, offices, we were outside in the hot and humid heat, we cut down trees, we did a lot of heavy lifting, we ran a conference for a hundred young adults, we led worship, we led Bible talks, we preached, we played games. All in all, it was a very physically tiring trip. But we also spent time with God in the morning. We debriefed every night. We worshipped, we laughed, we cried with each other and other missionaries. And above all, we saw God work so visibly and so powerfully. And it made me realize that my problem was not physical, but spiritual. Because as hard as it was physically, it was so joyful. Like it didn't feel like work at all. Because I was right with God. Because I felt like God was with me in all this. And throughout the trip, I felt my heart soften towards God and towards Cambodia. And towards the end of the trip, as we were winding down with all the ministry work, and as I started to spend a bit more personal time with God, it's something that he showed me through worship and through the missionary, that he really loves his people. And that his heart for the world is so big. And when he sees injustice, his heart breaks. He really wants everyone to know him. And then I realized how narrow-minded I have been. And I realized how my heart wasn't aligned with God's. And I was so regretful and I was so repentant that I was running so fast that I could not see that. But through the worship on the last day, I shared that with God. And I really felt his grace and mercy for me once again. That even in my brokenness, that he is still there. That it's the same God in Sydney as the one that I met in Cambodia. And I cried a lot the, past, the last few days. Uh, and I cried for the people in Cambodia I cried for the missionaries and their thankfulness to us. And I cried for the kids that we were leaving behind. And I cried for the grace that was given to me 
that I didn't realize I needed. And we can say that we painted, we preached, we led worship, we worked hard for God, but I know for all of us that went, that we have received way more in return. Our hearts were so full during our time in Cambodia. We laughed, we loved, we cried, we received so much joy, so much encouragement, and so much love from the kids, the staff, and the missionaries. And we are so thankful to all of them and the wisdom that they shared with us. Now, coming back to reality, uh, there are two things that I bring back, and I want to share that with you guys. One, that I need to make room for God in my own life. So one thing I've been trying to do more of since coming back is to be more God-conscious. So what does God want? What is God's heart for his people? And it's so easy to get caught up in the worldly things and the worldly rhythms that we just forget or sometimes we just get distracted. So in my own devotions and my personal time with God, I learned to be more thankful and to approach God daily in my own brokenness and struggles instead of trying to do things on my own. Because trying to, trying to do things on your own can be easier at first, but it's so much harder than doing it with God. And number two, I need to make room for God in our church. I realized for myself, I like to put God in a box. And I know that God can do the impossible. But I'm not confident that he can do it sometimes. But I know that God's heart is for the people in our community just as much as CM Reap in Cambodia. So our church needs to be a place where people can come and experience God and fellowship with each other. And now I know for sure that God is working alongside our church to seek and save the lost. And that we as a church shouldn't be so fearful or hesitant. We can't be afraid to try new things, to be part of the community and to be that salt and light. Whether it would be something small as inviting a friend to a church, to our church, or opening up a hall for a community event. So yeah, to conclude this testimony, I just want to really finally thank you guys so much for your prayers and your financial support. Because I know that each of us that went came back different and more on fire for God and his church. And for those who are considering going next year, please prayerfully think and feel free to speak to any one of us that went because we would love to share with you guys our time in Cambodia. And hopefully you guys can come and join us next year. Thank you. Thank you, AB. Um, that concludes uh, our overview and update and sharing of our uh, mission trip for 20, well, October uh, 2023. Um, every single person has a testimony. They all have a story. We all witnessed and encountered, encountered God in 
uh, personal and special ways. So uh, please do take the time to speak to them. Ask them, how is Cambodia for you? Because um, they all have an amazing story to share with you. <clears throat> so I'm here to make an announcement. Um, so 2024, we are going again. Um, oh, wow. After all that. Um, <clears throat> so the dates have been set. Um, the dates are August 31st to uh, the 15th of September. Um, it does not coincide with any holidays. Um, so it means you need to take time off, uh, but it will be worth it. Um, if the testimonies and videos today are not enough, um, if you prayerfully consider um, and you feel like God is prompting you, um, then please listen and obey. And the, um, those are the dates. Uh, for the first time this trip, we will be doing uh, medical missions. Um, so uh, next trip uh, will be split into two weeks. The first week uh, we will run a similar program as we did with this team which is um, being a part of the school and um, perhaps uh, church ministry on Sunday. Uh, but the second week, we're actually going to partner with hopefully some medical staff from Sydney um, and also the local staff in Cambodia and uh, go out to remote uh, areas to provide services um, for people who can't access it. So... Uh, please prayerfully consider. It will be first in, first serve. So um, on the 26th uh, Sunday uh, from 12.30 to 1.30, we will have an information session. If you are interested, please attend the session. If you cannot make that time, please speak to me and I'll pass on information to you. Um, and there is a bit of a sign-up process. And I hear that there are a lot of people that want to go. Um, so uh, we are hoping to take about a team of 10 again. Um, and so please um, sign up. Please pray. Please do what you need to do. Get your leave approved, I would say. Uh, we have plenty of time now um, so that you can join us for our next trip next year um, in, uh, in August. So, yeah, so please um, consider that for yourselves as well. <clears throat> okay, so over the past few weeks, um, we have looked at the spiritual giants of our faith, Abraham, David, Daniel, and the saints that died for their faith. And although they are great, stories, uh, in many ways they can seem a little bit unrelatable to us. Um, their realities seem so different. Um, their faith seems so big and so mighty. You know, like those guys, like they were willing to sacrifice their own son. They faced literal giants with a stone and sling. I mean, many of us have never been personally asked to sacrifice our children on top of a mountain, even though you may want to sacrifice them. You know, if you tried to do that today, uh, you would go to jail for attempt of manslaughter and probably negligent parenting. And better yet, none of us have been thrown into a lion's den. Um, I mean, today, where would you find a pack of lions? You are more likely to be attacked by a mob of pigeons than lions. Now, while I'm not trying to downplay their faith, 
I think it's important to note that even these guys, they had their ups and downs. Abraham, or Abraham, got impatient with God. He tried to produce himself a son the logical way. He took Hagar, who was Sarah's maid, and conceived a son. And yet God was still faithful and gave him Isaac through Sarah, in which he had promised. David, he became an adulterer and a murderer after he conquered Goliath. But God still calls him a man after his own heart. And last week we learned that our success and failure is not what determines whether you are a person of faith. So what then determines whether you are a person of faith? In Hebrews 11, which Pastor Steve preached on last week, it's the great, great hall, the great faith hall of fame. That's really hard to say. The great faith hall of fame chapter. Okay, it starts with Abel, Abel, and it goes all the way to the prostitute Rahab. And all these stories have one thing in common. All these people, they persevered. Not one of these people stopped. Not one of them gave up. Despite the pain, the suffering, and even the joy, they continued on in their faith. So being a person of faith means that you persevere till the end. Hebrews 10 Verse 23 to 25 reads this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up, meeting together as some of uh, some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Hold unswervingly to the hope, not giving up. Romans 4, uh, verse 20 to 21. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. The he this passage is talking about is Abraham. Speaking of the moment that Abraham was on the top of Mount Moriah, where he willingly went to sacrifice Isaac, the promised son. Abraham, he did not waver in his faith. He believed and he was fully persuaded. That's why he went on top of that mountain with his son to sacrifice Isaac. Abraham was ready to do what God wanted him to do. In Hebrews 12, Verses 1 to 3, we read this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. 
And even Jesus himself, he persevered till the end. He endured the cross, the shame and the opposition so that we can do the same. And finally, Hebrews 10 verse 36. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. A people of faith, a story of faith, is one that perseveres. Fears, lions, opposition. Nothing stopped them to continue on in their journey of faith. And even in their failures, they continued to persevere. But why? Why did they persevere? Because God was worth it. Worth more than my son, more than my life, more than my honour, more than my own. God was and is worth it because of who he is and what he has promised and what he still promises today. God was and is worth trusting. God is and worth hoping in. And God is worth suffering for. And God is worth it, even if you keep messing up. Just get back up and keep going. These spiritual giants all believed in what they had not yet seen. They waited for it. They continued on in their waiting and trusting, working and building. And even if they died not receiving what God had promised, they died trusting and persevering in their faith. This is why they get the big mention. Whatever the end, they knew that life eternal, a better life, a better home, a better land, that was what was promised and that was what was coming. If I gain nothing now, would I still have the courage to keep going? If believing in God and my continued in faith made me be disowned by my family, if my life became barren and isolated, if I lost everything, could I still endure for Jesus? And even if I stuff up real bad and I am hated by all, could I still believe that there is nothing that can stand in the way of the forgiveness of Christ? A lot of us stumble here. We believe that we are too bad to keep going, too broken to heal, too unacceptable to be received. And so we sit or hide. We make excuses. But friends, let me tell you today, the worth of God is not dependent on you. And if you are really that bad, it makes God that big. And that should strengthen your faith to keep going. So how? How do we persevere? And it's willingly. Am I willing Am I willing to lay it down? 
Am I willing to surrender? Am I willing to listen? Am I willing to obey God? And am I I willing to continue to be willing? Think about it. What does willing mean? Willing is an adjective for those who are academically slightly challenged. An adjective is a doing word. Okay? So it means that you are ready, that you are eager, and you are prepared to do something. Willing. Each of these people of faith were ready. They were eager. They were prepared to do what God had asked them. Not perfect, but willing. See, what God asks each of us is different. And in the Bible, the many stories that we read of these people of faith, there is not one story that is the same. And that's the same for us. For some, it's to have five children. For some, it's to have none at all. For some, it's to go, and for some, it's to stay. For some, it's to build, and for some, it's to tear down what has been built. But where is your attitude towards God? Is there willingness? Are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you eager? And look, I'll be honest, some days... I'm not willing to love, not prepared to serve, not eager to listen, not ready to be thankful. And I generally really hate waiting. So the sound of the word persevere is quite painful. But I discover underneath all these complaints a faith that is impatient, selfish, and stingy. But the kind of faith that God desires is one not forced, but one that freely obeys. You see, God is waiting for you to want to obey, knowing and trusting that He is worth it. Today, two of the mission team members um, shared with you their testimony about what happened when they took a step of faith. They conquered their doubts and let God destroy their questions and lies, and they were simply willing to listen to God. They, in their hearts, knew that God was worth more, more than their money, more than their time or their possessions or their things, and they were prepared to obey God in what God was asking them to do. Two different people, two different stories. They went on the same journey, encountered the same God, who met each of them where they needed to be met. Not one of our stories are the same. Your willingness to surrender is governed by how much you believe God. Your willingness to obey is shown by how much you do as God says. And your willingness to endure or persevere is reflected in the hope that you have in God's promises. Not many of us will conquer kingdoms, be it a giant with a slingshot, 
survive a night in the lion's den. But we, in small and or large ways, will face our fears, destroy demons, and conquer little ground for the kingdom of light. Like Abraham, we all have a Mount Moriah where we need to lay down the things we love. Like David, there are battles and oppositions we all need to face. And like Daniel, there are hardships we will face because of our faith. When you dumb it down like this, I hope it becomes real to you that you can be a person of faith. Don't compare yourself to the godfathers of our faith or anyone else. But in this present moment, in November 2023, are you a person of faith? And later, after you die, if people were to remember you, could they say, by faith, dot, dot, dot. By faith, James left his comforts and pursued ministry. By faith, Melissa had five children. By faith, Stephen planted a church. What will yours be? So today, I want to give you some time. I'm going to invite the team up um, and to lead us into a time of prayer. And remember this, as you think about your by faith statement, this statement is far less about you and so much more about God. 